0: Welcome to the Crossview Church Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy the message this morning. For more information, visit us at mycrossview.com. I'm excited for the fourth week of our Galatians series. That we've been in the book of Galatians for four weeks, and we've we've done a number of things. We've tried to uh, to kind of look at the context of Galatians and understand some of what's happening. And then last week, we kind of focused on a, a much narrower focus. We kind of talked about what does it mean to be... When when Paul says uh, that uh, through faith you're made right with God, what does that mean? What does it mean to have a relationship with God, and how does that work? And so today... I'm really excited about uh, focusing in on another kind of really key aspect of, of Galatians and just our faith. And we'll get there. But let me start by asking you this question. If you and I were to sit down for coffee, or if you were to sit down for, with cof- for coffee with someone else that you didn't know, and if I were to ask you to tell me your story, uh, how would that go? what would you say? I would be interested in, I mean, you know, sometimes when you're meeting with coffee or you're talking, things like this come up, right? Where are you from? What makes you tick? What are your unique passions? What drives you? What about your family story? Where is your family from? Your family history? Who are your kids and your grandkids? What's been your career path? You could talk about all those kinds of things, but how would you tell your story and how would you tell the story of your family? So one of the things we're gonna look at today because it's important in the book of Galatians. It's actually really important in the whole story of scripture. For us, our, for we're Wellstead well my name is Kyle Wellstead, we're Wellsteads, we're Norwegian Lutherans. Uh, for the most part, except for some of us over here. Yep, praise the Lord. Uh-huh, I see that hand. You will be counted. Um, we, uh, we, for the, some of us on the West Coast, we're free Methodist, uh, and have been for some time. A number of my family members have been involved in the uh, uh, local church and denominational leadership and some pastoral positions. So some of us are free Methodist. We're proudly, I think you know by, by now, I'm, we're proudly from Oregon, and, uh, and we are Christian. Yep, another hand. Wow, you guys are great. <laughs> Uh, So when you think about your uh, family inheritance, what do you think about? Because when you think about family, sometimes you think about inheritance. Those things that have been passed down to you. And I'm talking about more than just monetary kinds of things. What is it about your family that has been passed down to you? Culture, way of doing things, your history. It's important. And that's what I want to focus on today, which is this idea of inheritance that's passed down to us through faith as part of God's family. Because we do have an inheritance. It gets passed down to us through faith. It is primary for our—it's a, it's a foundation for our—of uh, what it means to be a Christian and to follow Jesus. And it's very important in how we live. So let's think about this. What's the story of God's family? In Galatians, Paul tells us a little bit, and he connects with what Jesus is doing in Galatians uh, in, in what he calls a present reality. He's actively doing this thing, and he makes that connection with the long history of all that God has done throughout the Old Testament. I, I think you, maybe you know from our previous series that we did, the I Am series, I love the connections between the Old Testament and the New Testament. It's foundational. It really helps us understand what's being said in the Bible. So the story of the family of God begins all the way back in the book of Genesis, right? God is with God's work of creation. God created the world and all that was in it, and He created humanity. He created humanity male and female. But as we looked at last week, it only took a couple of chapters for things to go horribly wrong for humanity, right? It takes a turn for the worst after just a few chapters. After this wonderful picture of creation that we have at the beginning of Scripture, humanity rejects God's way of doing things. They don't accept the role that they've been given. Temptation gets the best of them. They reject the way and the ways of their creator. Humanity gets ashamed. They're kicked out of the Garden of Eden. The relationship with God as it was intended to be gets broken. And this starts a destructive downward spiral for all of humanity. We find, then we find things like the first human murder. We find fighting and jealousy and deceit. We find the beginnings of a united human empire that stands in opposition to God. It gets bad real fast, right? But then something happens in, Gen- in Genesis about chapter 12, and God begins to get things back on track, God calls a childless nomad named Abram, whose name will eventually be changed to Abraham, and says, in and through you, I'm going to bless all the families of the earth. God steps in and starts his rescue plan. We've been talking about God's efforts to rescue humanity uh, over these past weeks. So about Genesis chapter 5, God makes this first covenant with Abram or Abraham. And remember from last week, we understand a covenant is an agreement of relationship. Uh, a way that humanity and God are going to be interacting together. And we find the first one here in Genesis 15. It says this, The Lord spoke to Abraham or Abram in a vision and said to him, Do not be afraid, Abram, for I will protect you and your reward will be great. But Abram replied, O sovereign Lord, what good are all your blessings when I don't even have a son? Since you've given me no children, Eleazar of Damascus, a servant in my household, will inherit my wealth. You've given me no descendants of my own, so one of my servants will be my heir. Then the Lord said, no, your servant will not be your heir, for you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. Then the Lord took Abram outside and said, look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. What what must Abram be thinking in that moment? Like, okay, that's crazy, (laughs) right? And then Abram, but then it says, and Abram believed the Lord. I love that. And the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. What an amazing moment, right? God says, I'm going to create a family and you get to be the beginning of it. Look up into the stars in the sky. It's going to be that big. Amazing. So God promises Abraham a family, but God also promises Abraham an inheritance. Look at what it says in verses 12 through 18. As the sun was going down, Abram fell into a deep sleep and a terrifying darkness came down over him. Then the Lord said to Abram, you can be sure that your descendants will be strangers in a foreign land where they will be oppressed as slaves for 400 years. But I will punish the nation that enslaves them and in the end, they will come away with great wealth. As for you, you will die in peace and be buried at a ripe old age." After four generations, your descendants will return here to this land. So the Lord made a covenant with Abram that day. Wow. So God, through Abram, through Abram's faith, is going to begin a family and says, I'm going to give you an inheritance. You get to be, uh, we're going to, I'm going to give you an inheritance, uh, which he said is this promise, this promise of freedom, forg- forgiveness, an ultimate home, this promised land. So let's fast forward just a bit. God's people, this newly formed forming family, finds themselves in another sticky situation. They're enslaved by the Egyptians for 400 years, just as it said. For generations they endure the the oppression of the Egyptians. We know this story, but you know what else we know? We also know that God in his abundant grace rescues them again. (laughs) Isn't this good news? I mean, God does this all the time throughout the story of Scripture but this time through the faith-filled response of a guy named Moses. So God called Moses to lead Israel out of slavery and lead them into this inheritance promised to Abraham, this promised land. When they left Egypt, on their way to the promised land, they stopped by a really important mountain in scripture called the Mount of Sinai. And there they were given the Ten Commandments, right? The Mosaic Law. Uh, And that was to be their guide. Here's what it means to be in relationship with God. You've got some responsibility this time. It's a new new covenant. I'm going to be your God. You're going to be my people. But now you've got some responsibility to maintain this relationship. We talked about last week how this was intended to be a caregiver, a guide for God's people while they waited for God's ultimate rescue plan to come to fruition, right? Uh, But that's not exactly how it worked. We kind of talked about that last week. But one of the things I love as we look at the beginnings of the the story of Scripture is that the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob revealed himself to be a promise-keeping, covenant-making God. He really cares about us. He wants to be in relationship with us. And over and over and over again, he comes through. And we still have the hope of this promise that he made right? It's incredible. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God, for what he has done. So the God who kept his promise to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, David, and on and on, over and over, continues to provide, to rescue, and keep his promise. He is the God who heard the cry of his people back then, and he hears the cry of his people here and now today. He comes to rescue, but not only does he come to rescue, he wants to give his family a legacy, a history, a story, a way of doing things, a culture, and an inheritance. That's what we get from God, through the God of the Bible. And this is an amazing thing, legacy, part of the inheritance that we receive from being members of the family of God. So what does all of this have to do with the book of Galatians? Well, I'm glad you asked, because that's a really good question. <laughs> for, uh, for Paul, in Galatians, history is beginning to repeat itself again. This time, the people had taken on a new form of slavery, a, a new yoke of slavery, right? We, we outlined that a bit last week when we took a look at the formation of the law. Uh, if you remember, God gave Moses and all the people these ten, the Ten Commandments— This was how humanity was supposed to be in relationship with each other, but then uh, what happened was the Jewish religious leaders went through all of their books of the Bible, which is the first five books of our Bible, and they counted up all of the commands of God. It ended up coming out to about 613 commands that everyone had to follow, and they said, if you follow these, that's how you be in relationship with God. That's how you maintain this relationship and have this hope of a promise. We looked at that last week a little bit, and here, uh, and I love Galatians is super clear about who the person of Jesus is, right? Because they put all of these regulations and commands together and said, this is how you maintain a relationship with God. And what's worse is that the people in Galatians don't seem to recognize that their rescue is in the person of Jesus. That God had to have, had this plan, right? That in Galatians, Paul says, God's acting powerfully in the world and had made himself known— Not only by name and deed, but now in the personal presence of Jesus, a human being among human beings. Rescue this time for them is right in front of their eyes. They can hear it. They can see it. They can smell it. They can touch it in Jesus. Paul also talks in Galatians about the idea of this inheritance for those who believe in Jesus. Remember, God has been working this rescue plan from the beginning of the story to where they are now in Galatians, and even to us today, right now, as we sit here in this room. The idea that God has a plan, and he's continuing this inheritance for those who believe. This is amazing. It's incredible, because... Uh, this is a reality, not just for the people in the Galatians, but for you and me today, for our faith community. It should have an impact on how we think, and how we live, and how we relate to each other, the kinds of things that we do in the world. It's not just for a select few anymore. Through faith, it's available to everybody. Isn't that incredible? Think about it, the creator of the universe has got a plan to rescue humanity and he's giving stuff to humanity and it didn't stop back in the Old Testament or the New Testament. It is alive and active right here, right now, today as you sit in this room. Thank you, Jesus. Part of this inheritance of faith in Jesus is the giving of what the Bible calls the Holy Spirit, right? This, the very Spirit of God Wow, the the radical part is that Paul is saying that everyone receives this through faith. Again, I'm just gonna keep saying this because we have to put it in context. When you're reading Paul saying this, this is radical stuff that he's saying to people in those days. Wait, you're saying that Paul, people who are not Jewish, who now have faith in Jesus, can be considered part of the historic family of God? Paul's saying yes. (laughs) And not only are they considered part of the family, they get all of the inheritance wait a minute, that's not how it's supposed to work, right? Actually, Paul says that's exactly how it's supposed to work. The Holy Spirit is the gift of faith, is part of our inheritance in faith. A fully-fledged member of the Trinity, fully and completely God, comes to us through faith to guide us To help us change and transform and grow as people and and, in spirituality and all kinds of different ways and to help us go in the way that we should go or the way that God has intended for us to be. We can't do it on our own. God knows that. We need some help, so we have the Holy Spirit. Isn't this amazing? I mean, I know this is stuff that we all know, but when you put it in the context of scripture, it's like, whoa, that's great. (laughs) Thanks, God. Paul connects this, ar- this argument about inheritance to Israel's history. It's a, it's a history of faith from the very beginning, right? Abraham's faith through Moses to David and on and on and on. If you have faith in Jesus, God's rescue plan, which, uh, then, then you are part of those who receive the inheritance that God promised us. The badge of a child of God, the badge of a family member of God, the badge of God's rescued people, is that they are people of faith. Filled with and by his very spirit. Which, as you read in these later chapters in Galatians, that's one of the main arguments. What is one of the true markers of someone in the family of God? And Paul makes the argument that the only true marker of someone in the family of God is someone who has faith in God's rescue plan, in the person of Jesus, and you get everything. Incredible. And this comes through hearing this message, right? (laughs) Paul sees this one ongoing story, this big picture of scripture that comes to this very day. And he says, do you see it? And that's the question for us today too. Is do we see this one overarching plan that God's got for all of us, and are we going to respond to that plan? Paul actually gets a little frustrated. We we talked about the very first week. He starts hot, right? He's upset from the very beginning. Um, he gets a little harsh with his readers. In fact, at the beginning of chapter three, this happens a couple of times in the book of Galatians. But he calls them foolish for not seeing it, for not making these connections. You witless people, he says. Um, I made it clear, and now it's as if you can't see. And then he starts asking these essentially rhetorical questions, but he's pushing the point, right? How did you receive God's Spirit? Was it through the law, or was it hearing this message and experiencing the power of of that very Spirit that God gave you? Look at uh, Galatians chapter 3. Let me ask you one question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? Of course not. (laughs) You received the Spirit because you believed the message you heard about Christ. So again, don't forget that faith isn't, is, isn't limited by uh, nationality or previous belief here. G- G- Paul saying whether you're Jewish or Gentile or whoever or however you came to faith, you have that faith in the person of Jesus. You're part of the family and you get the inheritance. Connected to the same promise that God made to Abraham. Look at Galatians 3, 6 8. It says, in the same way, Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. We just read it from its original uh, context in Genesis. The real children of Abraham then are those who put their faith in God. What's more, the scriptures look forward to a time when God would declare the Gentiles, right? Remember, that's everyone who was not of the Jewish nationality and faith to be righteous because of their faith everyone's welcome in the family of God. And proclaimed this good news long ago when he said all nations will be blessed by you. So all who put their faith in Christ share the same blessing Abraham received because of his faith. Whoa. <laughs> Radical thing that Paul is saying. And again, I think we said it a couple of weeks ago. I'm so thankful because now you and I can be included in this family through faith in Jesus, right? Thank you, Lord. Look at what it says here in Romans 8, one through four. It says, so now there's no condemnation for those who belong to Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the living, the life-giving spirit has freed you. From the power of sin that leads to death, the law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature, so God did what the law could not do. He sent his Son in a body like the bodies we sinners have, and in that body, God declared an end to send control over us by giving a, his Son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us no longer. Uh, for us, who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the Spirit. I love it. Last week we talked about, uh, we, we kind of talked about what happened um, in the how we were made right with God. We talked about why Jesus' sacrifice made a difference. No longer was the, the breakdown between humanity and God just covered over like in a sacrificial system, they made sacrifices to cover their sins so they could maintain this relationship with God in and through the person of Jesus Christ. He just did away with the sins, so there's no longer any more need for a cover. We can have this open and ongoing relationship with God. It's a wonderful thing. This is what Paul is talking about. So Paul speaks of life in the Spirit as life was always intended. You and I were created for this kind of life in and through this relationship with God and it's through the person of Jesus. This is such good news. This is the, the primary message of the book of Galatians. Just to continue to make the point, we come into the family of God by faith, we're adopted as daughters and sons by faith, we receive the Spirit uh, as part of our inheritance, and that same Spirit then uh, empowers us, maybe is the word that we say most often, empowers us to live in a different way, live the way that God wants us to live. We'll look at what that looks like in just a moment, and then Pastor Holly's going to talk about it next week. Uh, this comes through hearing, and it's wonderful. First Thessalonians 1 through five or 1, five, says, "For when we brought you the good news, it was not only with words but with power. for the Holy Spirit gave you the full assurance that what we said was true, and you know of our concern uh, for you from the way we lived when we were with you. So for Paul, the Spirit of God was powerfully active whenever the, the message of Jesus was being preached. Look at First Thessalonians 2. We therefore never stop thanking God for when we received his message from us, you didn't think our words were from mere human ideas. You accepted that they were from the very word of God, which of course it is. <laughs> and this word continues to work in all who believe. Isn't that good news? I think part of, we, we need to understand and recognize the, uh, the history of what it is that we have through faith. And then the next part is that we need to recognize the impact that that can have on our lives, and the impact that, that can have in the world. Because the Holy Spirit of God working in and through us with this message of saving freedom doesn't just stop with us, right? And I'm so thankful that the story didn't stop in the Old Testament. The story didn't stop in the New Testament. It comes right to us today, and now we are part of the story. That's an exciting part. Maybe it's nerve-wracking for us. How do I play my part in in telling the story. When I see people I'm walking through the grocery store or at work, every person I see can be part of the family of God and get everything that God intended as part of the inheritance. That's part of who we get to be to say, Hey, I know I, I'm a different person because I've experienced the love of Jesus. I'm free from all the things that kept me separated where I was like on my own trying to figure it out and it was not working well, right? Remember the downward spiral of, hum, of stuff that human, humanity was going through at the beginning. God comes along and says, I've got a plan and I've got a rescue plan and I wanna help you. I wanna make you different and then give you the capacity and everything you need to live that different way. That's what we get through faith. Isn't that great? I mean, I want to jump up and down and dance. It's amazing. <laughs> so, and, and Paul assumes this. He assumes that the Spirit of God is working powerfully in the community when people hear this message. And as they're filled with the Spirit. One of the outcomes of the, of the filling of the Holy Spirit is that you and I, you and I sitting here in this room are empowered through faith to live the, a different kind of life, the, the kind of life that Jesus has always intended. So can I just give you a bit of encouragement? Don't be afraid. <laughs> Don't be afraid to live into the way that God has called us to live. Uh, live courageously. Do the work with God to, to have the, the darkness of our heart, the, the sin, those things that separate us from God, do the work with God so that he uproots those from our heart. Gone, never to come back, right? And plants in our heart love. Love for each other, love for God as we grow in how we ought to live. That's one of the amazing things about what God does through the work of the Holy Spirit. So don't be afraid. Live courageously into that way and and love others as best you can because God will help us do it. That's what who we're supposed to be. Think about this as we close. The story of the Bible and the working of God's rescue plan has come down from generations and has now reached your hearing today. You've heard it before. But the promise that God made Abraham in Genesis 15 is a present reality for you and I today in this very room at this moment. God's rescue plan is still at work. Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) The powerful spirit of the living God at work in your hearing, moving in hearts and in minds through faith, calling us as daughters and sons, giving us the fullness of his spirit. The Holy Spirit isn't like a little bit less than God. The Holy Spirit is God (laughs) guiding us and helping us and leading us along the way. Like I said, Pastor Holly's going to talk more about this next week. But when we live into that, uh, the power of that spirit, uh, it has a major effect on our lives and our ability uh, to love others and and how we interact in this world. Paul will begin to teach here at the very end of this letter that the Holy Spirit helps us no longer live into what he calls our sinful nature or our sinful desires, but that we can now live for very different reasons. And that those reasons are purposeful. Purpose-filled, right? They give us an identity. They give us something to live for. Um, We can be empowered by God to put on display something very different. Look at Galatians chapter 4, 16 through 17. It says, So I say, let the Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us the desires that are opposite of what the spiritual nature, or sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting with each other so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. And then this is what it looks like. We know this one so well, but this is, the, this is one of the outcomes of living into the power of the Spirit. We find this in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22, and it says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in your lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against these things, there are no law. Let them flourish, right? <laughs> so good. Worship team, would you come on back up? So, uh, for the Galatians, and now for you and me, it's important to remember, number one, that we're part of the family of God through faith. Number two, that we have an inheritance of the Holy Spirit, powerfully at work in our lives. We recognize the God's rescue plan that started way back from Genesis and goes right up to this moment right now. Now we get to be part of that story. Be proclaimers of the gospel. Let's let people. Let's help people find and follow Jesus and experience the freedom that we've experienced, the forgiveness that we've experienced from the things that separate us from God. It's just an incredible story. We get to be part of it. We're going to move now into a time of communion. Uh, we do this once a month, where we just set some time aside, just a moment or two, to remember what Jesus has done for us. I mentioned it earlier, but. We want to just recognize and be so thankful uh, for the, for Jesus' death and sacrifice, but also for his resurrection and what that means for us. So we're going to just pause. We're going to pray. We're going to be as thankful as we can. I know words are, are really limiting here. I always feel like I don't really know what to say sometimes, God. I'm so thankful for what you've done for me. Uh, and so we're going to move into a time. I know Pastor Holly already mentioned this, but uh, hopefully this is the last time we, we have to use Uh, these kinds of things for communion I know these aren't an ideal uh, way to do it but it's the safest for us right now Um, if you got one of these the bread is on the bottom and the juice is on the top and if you need one just raise your hand and we'll get we'll get one to you